And welcome into the Fan Section Podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Quiller. This is another Fan Section Short. We're jumping back into basketball. We're going to take a look now three weeks into the season. And boy, there has been a ton of upheaval at the top amongst some of the mid-major conferences. We're going to really take a look and see who's been overperforming, who's been underperforming. And just take another little glance at what the lay of the land is looking like in college basketball right now. Before we get started, I want to remind you to uh, like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Alan has promised he will be reading five-star reviews uh, live on air. We are just uh, a couple of buddies talking college, dropping knowledge. We're coming down the wire to the end of the college football season. Alan had a creative idea to do this 12 Days of Christmas for college football, that's going to be a podcast coming out shortly where we're going to be talking about all kinds of different topics leading into bowl season. This is truly one of the greatest times of the year. A lot of content, a lot of fun, and we're really looking forward to it. But with all that being said, let's just start here. Three weeks since the State Farm Champions Classic kicked off the season. Uh, effectively kind of a two-game set, not a round robin, but Kansas beat Michigan State. On November 9th, and Ochai Abaji just looked sensational. Duke beat Kentucky in a top 10 matchup, and the world was introduced officially to the freshman phenom duo of Paolo Banchero and Trevor Keels. Let me tell you right now, folks, they're legit. Uh, Three days later, two West Coast programs made major statements about their uh, legitimacy in 2021 with UCLA beating Villanova in a top five matchup at home in overtime. And this was, again, keep in mind, without their big man, Cody Riley, who helped propel them to a Final Four run last year. And then the next day, Gonzaga absolutely just straight up dismantled number five, Texas, who uh, is kind of cobbling together. They have a ton of talent. They return about 90-plus percent of their production from last year. But you got the brand-new head coach and Chris Beard coming over from Texas Tech. They're, they're having a lot of... Early season struggles, getting all the pieces together. Transfer Marcus Carr comes in. He's a preseason player of the year in the Big 12. They're going to be a legit threat come come the end of the season. But in my numbers, I had projected Texas to lose this game just because of all of the dif- the difference and turnover. The first major upset, though, took place that Sunday when the Florida Gators, who I think I had as sixth in the, the SEC, they just dominated their interstate rival Florida State Seminoles. Now, keep in mind, the Florida State Seminoles I had as my preseason ACC champion. I think Leonard Hamilton has a ton of talent down there, uh, but they're they're off to a poor start this year, and it's going to be interesting to see how that all uh, shapes up going into the ACC schedule. It almost looks like, if I had to revisit today, Louisville probably looks like the greatest challenge to Duke in the ACC at this point, as opposed to North Carolina or Florida State. Additionally, Shaka Smart already has his Marquette program uh, ready for a big moment as they knocked off the number 10 team in the country, Illinois, and they stand 7-1 currently through eight games. This was just one example of several early season mid-major upsets. George Mason, who's a starting two-guard, Colorado transfer to Sean Schwartz, knocked off number 20, Maryland, on the road. BYU beat number 12, Oregon, and when I say beat, I mean absolutely beat down Oregon, 81-49 to in Eugene. And Rick Pitino's Iona Gales, who made the NCAA tournament for the first time in like 20 years last year, they beat the number 10 team in the country, Alabama, by four. So with all that being said, maybe let's dive into some of the preseason tournaments and see what some of the takeaways were from those in the Hall of Fame tip-off. Boy, 
I just got to tell you, Purdue looks like one of the best teams in the country. And the, the other major takeaway is UNC, under Coach Hubert, taking over for Roy Williams. I thought that they might have a slow start. They're having a bit of a slow start, although they did just beat Michigan last night. Pretty impressive win for a young team. In the Roman main event, the Arizona Wildcats, having just gotten rid of Sean Miller as head coach, Tommy Lloyd comes in. They look legit. It's almost like maybe they're still paying players under the table, even though it's relatively legal with NIL at this point. <laughs> in the Maui Jim Maui Invitational, your champion was Wisconsin. Keep your eye out for this kid, Johnny Davis. His brother, Jordan Davis, also plays on the team. They are a sensational duo. Johnny Davis sprung onto the scene. Wisconsin in the top 25 now. And they look like potentially a contender for the Big Big Ten. Early in the season, we thought uh, it was going to be Illinois, Purdue, and Michigan who would be contenders. Wisconsin has really ascended to be a contender. Also, Iowa looks very strong. And Purdue is ranked currently number two in the country behind Duke. In the Hall of Fame Classic, we the aforementioned Illinois Illini. Curbelo does not look stable and consistent. Kofi Coburn, after serving that suspension, does not appear to be resuming his dominant role. And like I said, the other takeaway was that Marquette is looking pretty dang good. In the battle for Atlantis, you know, I, I was higher on Baylor than a lot of people coming into this season. A lot of people thought that they would have a significant drop-off. Man, Baylor is not going anywhere. They look damn good in the battle for Atlantis. And they beat, I think, a really, really solid Connecticut team who will challenge for the Big East title this year. In the NIT uh, season tip-off, I think we're, we're really finding out, Memphis has had some early season struggles. We're really finding out that they don't have a, a real true floor general. They have tremendous coaches with a lot of NBA prowess and talent between Larry Brown, Rasheed Wallace, and obviously their head coach, Penny Hardaway. What they need to recognize is that they don't have the true floor general, so it's kind of like pickup basketball every time down the court. And then in the Bahamas championship, we really saw, like I mentioned, that Louisville is a contender against Duke. Uh, with all that being said, let's dive back into some more of the storylines from the early season. Uh, and I've got to tell you, about a week ago, I was thinking college basketball a lot similarly to college football. Like, there's Georgia, and then there's everybody else in college basketball. I thought, there's Gonzaga, and there's everybody else. Gonzaga seemed absolutely unbeatable after dominating two top five teams in uh, Texas and UCLA. Uh, then they rolled into the Continental Tires Challenge, looking like they were just, like I said, flat-out unbeatable five days ago. And they and they got taken, taken out by a very young and talented Duke Blue Devil squad. Again, keep in mind, this is, you know, Coach K's swan song. This is his final year. They're getting every media bit. They've got a ton of talent on their team. And then at that point, it seemed like Duke was truly that team that I thought was number one and would stand alone, only to fall to unranked Ohio State five days later. And I've got to tell you, EJ Liddell looked absolutely sensational for the Buckeyes in that game. On another note, Iowa State, who finished the season last year 2-22, and they are off to a 7-0 start. They're ranked number 19 in the country after beating number 25 Xavier and number 9 Memphis. Out West, Arizona and USC both undefeated and ranked, while UCLA doesn't look to have quite the dominant position that we had previously thought in the Pac-12. Uh, in the Midwest, like I mentioned, Illinois has now dropped two games, and Michigan just dropped their third game last night of the year to North Carolina. 
those two teams have a lot of work and figuring out to do. I think they, they look like teams that have a tremendous talent, but they're struggling to find their identity. They don't know whether their primary focus is to work through the post with Coburn or Dickinson, or if they want to try and set up drive and kick uh, with some of their uh, better t- talented guards, Curbelo, like I mentioned. But meanwhile, Purdue looks like a legit Final Four team. Jaden Ivey is just playing flat out of his mind. To this point in the season, 16 of the top 25 teams have already lost at least one game. And again, that's only through seven contests. If I were to repick my Final Four right now, uh, I think they would have to be as follows. Purdue, Gonzaga, Duke, and Baylor, who just continues to cruise under Scott Drew. Now, Baylor's had a relatively soft early schedule, but they've looked very, very impressive in handling that schedule. Baylor hosts number six, Villanova, next Saturday, the 12th, in their biggest challenge by far to date. Now, as far as individual accolades from the early season, West Virginia transfer Oscar Chibwe is is a man amongst boys. He's averaging six rebounds per game, four more than the next highest player in NCAA basketball. On that same uh, Kentucky Wildcats team, Georgia transfer, transfer Shavir Wheeler leads the nation in assists at 8.7 per game. Kentucky, Kentucky is going to win the SEC. There are, are a lot of people that think maybe Alabama, maybe Auburn, maybe Tennessee. Those are all very talented teams. Nobody has more talent than Kentucky. And, and in my opinion, nobody has a better coach than uh, Coach Calipari. Now, the, now, keep in mind, I mean, these are great Great coaches. You got Bruce Pearl at Auburn. You got Rick Barnes at Tennessee. These are these are great coaches. The SEC is a sneaky good um, basketball conference, but I think Kentucky's the class of the field. Keegan Murray uh, leads the nation in scoring at 24.6 points per game for Iowa, who leads the, uh, and Iowa as a team leads the nation with 94 points per game. This Iowa team was expected to free fall after losing Luca Garza. I had them dropping, I think, to third or fourth in the Big Ten. A lot of people had them at like eighth or ninth, you know. But at, and the reason for that is Luca Garza leaving. He was their do everything big man, and a few other key, key pieces had moved on from last year's team. Well, they are currently seven and zero heading into a major matchup with number two Purdue this Friday. That's going to be a fun one to watch. If Iowa wins that, they probably catapult into the top twenty. Fran McCaffrey has to be, if they win that, Fran McCaffrey has to be an early frontrunner for the National Coach of the Year. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, like I mentioned, E.J. Liddell at Ohio State, averaging 21 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and 4 block shots per game. is just He's the most outstanding player that I've seen so far this year. Watching him play against Duke, and again, keep in mind, I at the time, Duke was coming off of the win over Gonzaga. They look like the best team in the country, and E.J. Liddell pretty much single-handedly held Ohio State in that game and gave him a chance to win. He is, uh, for fans who remember basketball from last year, he has the fight and tenacity of like a Mark Vital from Baylor, but with the scoring ability and finesse of like a Jaime Hawkes at UCLA, he's a tremendous talent. He will play in the NBA. And with that being said, let's take a look at some of the upcoming schedule. So games to look out for coming up, as I mentioned previously, the Friday game, Iowa 7-0, is going to be visiting number two, Purdue. 
These are two tremendous Big Ten teams. Uh, Purdue, and both these teams actually have very similar styles. They do a lot of outside shooting, high scoring, a lot of offensive rebounding and putting back. That's going to be one to keep an eye on. Saturday, Shaka Smart's Marquette squad takes on number 23, Wisconsin, with Johnny Davis, who is also a contender for early season player of the year. Also Saturday, number 16, Alabama, coming off of that loss to Rick Pitino's Iona, is going to take on number three, Gonzaga. It'll be interesting to see if they can hang around. This has the trappings to me of, of, of like the UCLA-Gonzaga game or the Texas-Gonzaga game where it's you think it's going to be a good matchup and Gonzaga just puts them away early. Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are really starting to hit their stride and get a good feel for each other under the hoop. And, and sneakily, Gonzaga has very good guard play. You knew that they would have a dominant front court, but they have very, very good guard play. I think Gonzaga could probably win this by a lot. It is up in uh, Spokane. A week from today, on December 10th, number 7 Texas travels to number 25 Seton Hall. This is a Seton Hall squad out of the Big East who beat Michigan earlier this year in Las Vegas. Again, I also I mentioned, I think Texas is, they were one of my top five teams coming into the season. I think they're very talented, but like I mentioned before, with all of the new pieces and all of the turnover, it's going to take a little time to settle in. I could see Seton Hall even winning this game, or it could be that coming out party for Texas when we finally see what they're made of. Next Saturday, number 15 Houston plays number 16 Alabama. Houston has looked very, very strong under Kelvin Sampson. He is a tremendous coach. I had to go back and look at exactly why he was chased out of like Oklahoma and some of these previous schools he coached at. There were some uh, off-the-court situations, some recruiting situations, but there's never been a question about his prowess and ability as a coach of, of men and as a coach of basketball. Remember, this is a Houston Cougar squad that made the Final Four last year, only to lose to the eventual champion, Baylor. I, I, I'm really, really high on Houston this year. They have a very similar squad to what they had last year. And then on Sunday, December 12th, this is a big game. Next Sunday, number six Villanova, who is very, very talented, uh, is going to travel to play number four Baylor. I think both of these teams have a legit possibility of making the Final Four this year. That's going to be a tremendous, monstrous matchup, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, some of these games coming up on the schedule. And so with that being said, let's take a look at a little bit of our Front Range hometown wrap-up here. <clears throat> I've got to tell you, the best team in the Front Range has got to be the Colorado State Rams. They look damn good. They took care of business out at the Paradise Jam earlier this year, winning that tournament. They bolster an 8-0 and record. And with San Diego State and Utah State having a couple of early season slip-ups, Colorado State is just flat out the class of the Mountain West. They had a very impressive early season win over a very talented mid-major, Oral Roberts. This is the Oral Roberts squad. Keep in mind that won two games in the NCAA tournament last year. They do have a few new pieces, but they still have Max Smith, who was the leading scorer in the country last year. Colorado State found a way to beat them by 29 points to start the season. Very impressive. They also have a 14-point victory at home over a pretty good Creighton Blue Jays team out of the Big East. Coming up next for Colorado State is St. Mary's, who's a, who's a pretty talented squad out of the West Coast Conference. That is on the 4th. 
which will be Saturday. And then they follow that game up with a game against Mississippi State, who actually is a pretty good SEC team. They do have a five-star recruit and a four-star recruit who have tra- one have transferred in, one is a recruit that came in. Colorado State, I think, if, if you want to get a ticket to some good basketball on the front range, Colorado State is where you are going to find it. Uh, Roddy is a tremendous talent and really impressed with the Colorado State Rams so far this year. That Paradise Jam was a tournament that the Colorado Buffaloes were also at. But Colorado State won. Colorado ended up losing out. I think, believe they finished third in the Paradise Jam. Uh, for the other teams in the front range, the Wyoming Cowboys are off to a tremendous start. They're currently second in the Mountain West behind Colorado State, bolstering a 6-0 and record. They've had a pretty pedestrian schedule so far. After playing Denver and McNeese State, they have a game at number 11, Arizona, on the 8th. That will be a tremendous talent for Wyoming. And this is a squad that I think gels really well together. Not a, tre- not a tremendous amount of top-end talent. Maldonado is a great athlete. But they have wins over Grand Canyon, who's a good team, at Washington, who's a, probably the worst team in the Pac-12, but that's still a big win for a Mountain West squad. Wyoming looking pretty good so far this year as well. And then the Air Force Falcons also out of the Mountain West. They are off to a 6-1 and one start. Each of these three teams lead up the top three spots in the Mountain West. After stumbling in their first game at South Dakota, 59-53, Air Force has not lost since. They have had a relatively pedestrian schedule as well. You will get an Air Force at Colorado State matchup on January 4th. That one could have some implications, and that one could be an exciting game. One of two things will happen. It'll either be competitive or Colorado State will blow them out. So a lot of good basketball being played up and down the front range in the state of Colorado and in the state of Wyoming. As far as Colorado, off to a good start, not great. Now keep in mind, this is a young team. And not only is it a young team, but your leadership is is from Elijah Parquet, who's primarily a defensive player, and Evan Batty, who is a big man. Last year, and for years prior, your leader was McKinley Wright. It's a lot more beneficial to have your leader be in a ball control position. So they're having a little bit of difficulty finding who that floor general is going to be for the Buffaloes. Keyshawn Bartholomew has looked tremendous. Simpson has looked tremendous in his freshman campaign. You're starting to see a little more aggressive basketball out of Jabari Walker. I was very impressed when uh, they went down pretty big early against UCLA last night and found a way to claw back and make it a competitive game. On December 4th, this Saturday, Colorado is going to be hosting number 13, Tennessee, This is a good Tennessee squad. This is going to be a fun game. If Colorado can hang with Tennessee, I think they've got a chance to be competitive in the Pac-12. Oregon certainly doesn't look like the world beaters that they've looked like in the past. UCLA has, I mean, Colorado only lost by 12 to UCLA on the road. That seems to indicate to me that the Pac-12 is is really kind of still up up for a fight, up for a competition. So with all of that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Fan Section Podcast. We really appreciate all of your messages, all of your likes, subscribes. Remember, five-star review. Alan will read it live on air. And we're looking forward to uh, focusing a lot more primarily on football over the coming weeks with Championship Week coming up, the bowl season, and then the playoffs. There may be some basketball content here or there. 
around mid-January, we're going to start to focus more primarily on the basketball content. What a tremendous time of year. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we are out.